Hi, and welcome to Sisters Daily. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Sisters Daily. Today's episode is titled, It is not what you look at, it's what you see. And today I'm going to be running through a real life experience of mine following a breakup and having to share church space with my ex. Yeah, a difficult one, but by God's grace, um, we've cracked it. Sharing any kind of space with any kind of ex is difficult, but sharing church space, worship space, you know, a safe place with an ex was traumatic for me. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about that experience and how God has really helped me through it, simply by looking at the power of perception, simply by looking at the difference between what it is that we're looking at based against what we're actually seeing, looking at the power of perception. I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures because, you know, I'm a Bible girl, I love my Bible. So we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to find some scriptural basis for what I'm talking about, the difference between what we see and what we're actually looking at. So again, just to say, I am not a therapist. I am not a psychologist. I'm none of the ologists. I'm just a humble woman who's made it through. And I'm here to share my experiences, just hoping that if anybody is going through it or if anybody should come up against this in their future, God forbid. But if it does happen, I've been there and it is possible to make it out. So if you're interested in understanding the difference between what you're seeing and what you're looking at, stay tuned. Okay, so let's get our scripture down. So I'm going to Matthew 26 verses 6 to 8. And in this story, we hear of Jesus being at Simon's house and there enjoying a meal. Uh, The account goes on to tell us that a woman comes in with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume or another translation says expensive oil. And she presents Jesus with this oil and anoints Jesus with this oil. She pours it all over him. Now, I can imagine the disciples and everybody else sitting down to their meal and all of a sudden a woman turns up and starts pouring oil all over Jesus, expensive oil at that. And the disciples had this very same response as I would have, to be honest. Now, the Bible goes on to say that when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. And as many times as I've heard this story or recalled the story or even given like exhortations on this story, I don't actually know what the word indignant means. So I had to look it up. And it means to show feeling of anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. So indignant is a feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. And interestingly enough, we have that word perception that turns up, right? So the disciples in their annoyance and in their frustration about what they perceived to have understood from her actions, they said that it would have been better for her to have taken that expensive perfume, sold it and given the money to the poor rather than pouring it on Jesus. That was their understanding of what they saw her doing and what they saw her using this expensive perfume for. They saw this expensive perfume as something of a monetary value, not something to be poured on a man who's just you know, sitting down and having a meal. But Jesus saw it slightly differently. He said to them, don't look at what she's doing because what she's doing is a great thing. You've clearly just 
completely missed the point here. She's actually preparing me for, for my burial. Furthermore, anywhere and any time the gospel is preached, this woman's story and her actions are going to go down in history, basically, because he had perceived her actions differently from the disciples. So they were both looking at the same action and had come up with a different reaction. They had both looked at this woman pouring expensive oil on Jesus and had come up with a very different reaction. Jesus understood and was grateful while the disciples were indignant because of their perception. So it's amazing to see that two people in the same room can look at one event or can look at one thing and come up with very different reactions. So how does this relate to me? So following a really painful breakup from quite a long-term relationship, I was struggling to share worship space with my ex. By that, I mean, I was going to church, the house of the living God, with someone who had caused me a significant amount of pain. And I know some of you would say, well, you know, you're going to church, just face your front and and don't worry about him. It's not about him, blah, 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 blah. But that wasn't helping. That, That really wasn't fixing anything for me. I was struggling. It was difficult to go to a place of safety, a place of worship and encounter this person. Furthermore, um, he was finding it necessary to ignore my existence of which was, you know, driving that dagger even deeper. The fact that I've had to see you and then I do see you and then you ignore me. Yeah, let's put it this way. I was in floods of tears every Sunday after church or any midweek services that we attended at the same time. I would spend my entire journey home in tears. And this was happening Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I said to God one time, I can't do this anymore. I can't come to a place of safety, the house of the living God, and have to encounter this trauma every single Sunday. I've been in situations where in a different church and just trying to get to church was a traumatic experience. And I said to God, I was not about to do this again. I cried my tears. I don't even know if I said amen. You know, when you're not even praying, you're just talking, you're just talking to God because you just need to say what you need to say. But I left it there. And then the following day, I was on my way home um, via the tube and there was a notice on a whiteboard and it said, it's not what you look at, it's what you see. And they usually have different notices by different famous authors and speakers and so on and so forth. But this one had no name, no anon. It wasn't Maya Angelou or Oprah. It was just a standard statement on a whiteboard. And it got me. For some reason, it gripped me. And on my way down the escalator now, trying to find my phone, I'm journaling, I'm writing, because my head has just gone in in a flurry of activity, and I'm, I'm journaling, I'm writing. And I was really, really looking at this statement. It's not what you look at, it's what you see. And I don't know why it gripped me to my core, but my mind was had just gone. And I had to challenge myself. I had to think, every time you look at this man, what is it that you're seeing that is creating this expectation and ultimately disappointment because that expectation is not being met? What is it that you're actually seeing? Because hundreds of hundreds of people are seeing this same person and they're not driving home crying. They're not speeding up the M1 crying on their way home. And I had to challenge myself. And this is something I really encourage people to do, especially if you're trying to work your way through traumatic experiences, you need to sit in it. 
you need to really evaluate what is going on. Sit down with your feelings and converse, literally converse with your feelings. Try and understand what is it that's triggering me? What is it that's creating these actions or reactions? Don't just, you know, is what it is kind of, no, there's a better way, I promise you. So I had to sit in my feelings, I had to sit in my thoughts and I had to question myself, what is it about what I'm seeing that is creating this expectation? And it was simply that when I was looking at this person, I was seeing a person that still loved me. I was seeing a person that still cared. I was seeing a person that was whole, that was well, that was stable, that was kind. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And if you're going to be safe anywhere, stick to the truth. Honestly, the scripture says that there's freedom in truth. Trust me. So I had to challenge myself to really realign and fix what I was looking at with what I was seeing. And it really was as simple as that. We have examples of the prodigal son, you know, having a conversation to himself. The scripture says that he came to himself and he reckoned that it would be better I go back and, you know, work for my father as a servant rather than be sitting here with these pigs in this pen. He had that conversation with himself. And it was just an amazing mind-blowing experience for me to sit down and come to the conclusion that I was seeing this person all wrong. I was actually doing this to myself. That was hard to swallow. I was doing this to myself. I was seeing what I wanted to see, but that was not reality. So in, in actual fact, I was creating my own expectations, which was just facilitating a disappointment. And I realized that I had to see what I was looking at. And that wasn't someone who loved me. Again, a hard one to swallow, but the truth doesn't now. Maybe he did before, but right now, what I'm looking at is not that person, is not a loving, caring, whole, well person that I would expect to at least acknowledge my existence. That wasn't what I was actually looking at. And it really just changed my mind. And I have to give God thanks for that little notice on that board completely changed my mindset. So if I give you a different example, I like custard. I love custard. If I look at a can or carton or something of custard, I'm thinking crumble. I'm thinking jam roly-poly. I'm thinking dessert. I'm thinking pudding. I'm thinking quiet time, (laughs) quiet time with a bowl of too much sugar too many calories and and not a care in the world. That's my perception. When I look at custard, that's what I see. My mother, on the other hand, if you show her, if you so much as pass it her way, she is flashing back to primary school and gloopy custard and she's running to the nearest bathroom to throw up. Whether she needed to or not, that's where she's going. We're both looking at the exact same thing but we're having two very different reactions. I'm in seventh heaven. I've gone to eighth and ninth and tenth heaven, whereas she's running for the nearest bathroom. But we're both looking at the exact same thing, but having a very different reaction. So through this simple notice on the board, God was challenging me to look inwards and ask myself some really difficult questions. I realized that what I was seeing wasn't actually true and that I needed a reality check simply. I needed to realign my perceptions, which would stop the expectations and stop the disappointments. 
I simply needed to get real and actually see what it was that I was looking at. No rose-tinted glasses, no hopes, no wishes. And even as I sit here making this, I have no malice, I have no hate, no bitterness. I'm not, you know, an angry black woman trying to get my own on people that have done me wrong. Nope. I have no bitterness, no hurt, no, no, no malice towards the person. But my vision was still incorrect. I was still delusional in some ways to what it was that I thought I was seeing. I was creating expectations of an individual that that doesn't exist anymore. And I needed to get with what was now reality. And it was completely life-changing for me. So the question for you is, if you're in this kind of situation where the very sight of someone is provoking an action or reaction, ask yourself, why is that? It's not their fault they're being a human being and existing and living because God has granted them life and breath. Simply put, they are on this earth and will remain on this earth until God says otherwise. But what is happening when your two eyes are on that person and something happens inside you? What is that trigger? And you need to be accountable for your own actions and reactions. You need to take the time to do the work. You need to take the time to ask those questions. Ask yourself those hard questions because nobody knows you like you do. Simply put, nobody knows you like you do. And you have to ask yourself those difficult questions. Ask yourself, is what I'm seeing actually what I'm looking at? And if it's not, then you need to adjust your perception. You need to adjust how you are understanding what it is your two eyes are looking at, because there is a difference. So I think many of us avoid uh, taking the time to sit with ourselves and talk with ourselves and engage with what's going on. You know, we need to learn to master ourselves. Difficult, but it's not impossible. We can't just live life being triggered by things that we see. I couldn't exist being triggered by every time, you know, every time I saw this person. That would not be life. And I refused to be locked up in my house. Couldn't do that either. So I am so grateful that God sent help. So in reflection, another account in the Bible where Jesus was healing a blind man. And after the first encounter with Jesus, Jesus says, what do you see? And he said, I see men. It's a good start. You were blind, so you see. He said, I see men walking as trees. Now, for some people, that would have been great because you started blind and you're seeing something. So, you know, that, that's, that's for some, that's good enough. But Jesus realized that that was still not good enough. It wasn't accurate. It was not an accurate reflection of what he was looking at. Jesus wasn't satisfied with this level of sight. So he encountered him again. And after he um, encountered him again, he could see clearly, he could see men standing as men. Our perception is so important because it impacts and governs our responses. If this blind man had gone along you know, living life, seeing men as trees, he would never have had the right reaction to the people around him. So imagine you can only see men as trees. And if a man you see is actually your father, you're not going to respond to him as a father because you can't see him right. 
you're seeing a man as a tree. Or if you are in danger and your life is in danger, but you're seeing man as a tree, you can't see, you can't react, you can't respond appropriately because your perception is limited. Your perception is inaccurate. And because it's inaccurate, your responses are also going to be inaccurate. So remember from my welcome episode, I was talking about wisdom. Wisdom is the application of comprehended information. However, if the information you got to start with was wrong, your wisdom's going to be wrong. So if this man was going around, like I said, seeing men as trees, he wouldn't be able to apply wisdom in any kind of engagement with anybody. Why? Because the information he's getting was wrong. So I just wanted to encourage someone today that you have the ability to stop this kind of traumatic cycle. It doesn't have to be perpetual. It doesn't have to continue. You have the power to do the work yourself. No one has to do it for you. You can sit down with yourself and ask yourself those questions. Ask yourself those difficult questions. The same way that God sent me a little sign on a notice board. God knows who that sign was from. I'll just say it was from God God himself. The same way he did that for me, he can do it for you. But you then need to do the work. You know, if you ask God for help, look out for the help. Just know that it is possible to stop these cycles, these traumatic cycles that we think are never ending in our life. Be encouraged. It is not impossible. It is possible. But you have to do the work. And remember, sometimes it's not what you're looking at. It's what you see.